Hey, Chelsea. Hi, Sarah. I can't wait to talk about this with you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, same. We read Persuasion this month, as you all know, um, or last month, because now we're we're in October. We've moved on. We've moved on to Macbeth, but we're still, we, we could not bypass talking about a new Jane Austen adaptation, especially when we just read the book uh, this season. So I'm really excited to talk about this. Yeah, before we get into Dakota Johnson and the fleabagness of it all, we just wanted to share a little bit more about our Patreon community. This is the kind of episode that we would generally share as a bonus episode on Patreon, but we thought you know what, let's share this one as an extra episode on the main feed that our listeners weren't expecting. And we just thought we would take the opportunity to, I don't know, talk about this movie with more people and also just share more about what exactly is happening on Patreon and what our bonus content looks like. So Sarah, for any of our listeners who don't already support podcasts on Patreon or are curious what the heck is Patreon? Patreon is amazing. It is a way for creators to connect more directly and closely with their audiences. And it's a way for audiences to financially and directly support the creators that they love. We as podcast creators. Our Patreon page is there to offer anyone who loves the podcast and wants to support it um, a platform to do that. Patrons get access to lots of extra content and are also doing something wonderful by supporting a small business and individual creators that they love. So you can join a Patreon because you really want more novel pairings in your ears throughout the month. Or you can think, well, I don't need all that many more podcast episodes, or I don't need an online book club, but I love getting novel pairings in my podcast player every Tuesday, and I just want to support them. And that's a great way to use Patreon as well. That is so well said. And yeah, I just want to reiterate, we're an independent podcast. So Sarah and I essentially function as small business owners. We do not have, we're not part of a media conglomerate like Gimlet or some of the other like Wondery, some of those other big podcast hubs that you might have heard of. And we're not part of like this big ad network. So we might have a couple of ads on the podcast, but those are sourced directly by us. And the main way that we're able to make money and continue making the podcast is through your contributions on Patreon. So because it takes so much time and collaboration and effort to make the podcast, it just creates this opportunity for us to actually turn it into work and into part of our careers and our jobs, which is really exciting. Yeah, this is a labor of love, but it is still very much labor. It's a lot of work to put out. A, a podcast. Um, aside from, you know, the technical things like the time it takes to record, it takes about two to three times as long as an episode is to edit that episode. Um, the planning and the reading, you know, we read a classic or two every month and, and annotate, take notes, make plans. It's, 
don't get don't get me wrong it is so fun yeah (laughs) (laughs) but it takes a lot of time and so we really really appreciate when you all see that and support us today we're talking about supporting us on patreon but of course we appreciate when you support us by writing reviews or shouting us out on social media all of that so let's talk a little bit more about what we do in patreon we want to make it clear you don't It's not like a requirement if you join our Patreon community that you have to participate in everything we do. (laughs) We know you are busy. We create this content because, like Sarah said, it's fun. We love it. We want to share these educational resources. We love collaborating together. We love creating this content. And we want to give you something in exchange for your patronage. That <laughs> makes me feel so so Regency England when I say it. But you can just support the show because you like listening to it. However, these are the things that are in Patreon that you have access to and that you can join to be part of our community. And we mean community truly. We have this group of really kind, smart readers who read together, who chat about the book in Discord together, who gather for book club, and always illuminate something out of the book for us that we didn't get to talk to in the episode or that we're learning about. So it's super fun to connect with everyone. But in addition to that connection, Sarah and I are former English teachers, and so we teach classes. Sarah, can you tell everyone a little bit more about the classes that we teach in Patreon? This is like the dream, right? We get to choose subjects that we are passionate about, that you are passionate about, do tons of research, bring our English teacher, English major, master's degrees into use and plan courses. So we have done courses on specific authors. So we've done a whole class on Jane Austen. We've done a whole class on Edith Wharton. We also do classes on literary theory, which are new ways, new lenses through which we can read literature. So we've done feminist theory class, um, a literary theory 101 class. Really, we are trying to provide fun educational content for people who either were English majors and really miss that world or were not English majors but love books and want to re-enter that space. There's no homework, obviously. (laughs) There are no papers. There's no pressure. There are no tests. It is just coming live or watching a replay and getting to learn about the things that that you love. We really enjoy putting these classes together and feel like it's a great use of our expertise uh, as former English teachers. Something a little bit different that we feel like the Novel Pairings community has to offer. I love teaching the classes, but at the end of the month when we get together with our book club members, my heart just soars. Despite being on Zoom, it just really does feel like one of the most engaged book clubs I've ever been a part of. Sometimes with book club, there's just one person who's talking the whole time or you can't like get people to dig deeper into the text. This is a book club where everyone is willing to like really dig into the book and share their opinions and just like really enhance the conversation and enhance the reading experience in a way that I haven't seen with every other book club that I've been a part of. And then of course we have bonus episodes on Fridays. Some of those are educational. Some of those are more conversational. Some of those are individually from Sarah or individually from me based on what we're reading. And so we're just creating like this cozy classics environment and I really love it over there. So 
Patreon funds, just before we move into our discussion of persuasion, we, we want you to know that all of the Patreon funds right now are going to keeping this podcast running. So um, Chelsea and I have finally been able to pay ourselves a little bit, which is just incredible. We have been saving up for some new branding and a website redesign. We would love to eventually use some of these funds to travel to be able to meet each other in real life, perhaps even attend a classics related event and get to take you all along with us. We have been able to bring on a very part-time but very wonderful team member who has helped tremendously and freed us up to do more big picture brainstorming we would love to be able to make her role more robust and as mentioned for our own income our cute babies are expensive (laughs) and (laughs) and this really has become our jobs and we are so fortunate for that and and just can't wait to continue to to grow the community we really would love to end this year with 300 patrons. That's our goal. So if you know somebody who would love the Novel Pairings Patreon community, if you are in it and you love it, bring a friend, share this in your social media. We're trying really hard to to grow this year. And if you are interested in reading Shakespeare with us this month, you're going to get the best support with reading Macbeth if you're in our Patreon community because we have classes for you, we'll have bonus episodes for you, resources, and just some extra stuff that will help support your reading. So whether you want to just support the podcast or whether you need that educational boost for Shakespeare this month, we would love to have you. All right, Chelsea. Let's talk about persuasion. So speaking of Patreon, we did a watch along with our Patreon community. We watched the new Netflix persuasion starring Dakota Johnson, and we chatted about it in our patrons only discord channel. And um, people have (laughs) thoughts and we have thoughts and we really wanted to chat about this. So if you aren't familiar with the new Netflix adaptation, it came out earlier this year. It is starring Dakota Johnson as Anne Elliot, Henry Golding as Mr. Elliot, Cosmo Jarvis as Captain Wentworth, and really, honestly, a great supporting cast who we will get to uh, for sure. People had thoughts about this. (laughs) It didn't get great (laughs) reviews, and Chelsea and I waited until after we read Persuasion again um, to to chat about it. But Chelsea, where do you want to start with this? Okay, I, I want to start actually before we watched it. When you saw the trailer, what was your initial impression? Or when you heard that Dakota Johnson was, was starring as Anne Elliot, what were your initial thoughts going into the film? I have no prior feelings about Dakota Johnson. I know nothing about her. I know that she was in Fifty Shades of Grey. I haven't seen him. I literally had no thoughts about that. I didn't. I don't even know. Is she British or American? American. Okay. I thought her British accent was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. But then I watched the trailer and I just thought, oh, oh, no. <laughs> just no no (laughs) mostly about the breaking of the fourth wall but then the the modernization of the language I think in the trailer she says that she and Wentworth are worse than friends they're exes and that's when I just thought 
I don't know about this. <laughs> I don't know about this, you guys. So those were my thoughts. How about you? I followed some of the Twitter commentary and I thought it was really entertaining. Mm-hmm. I think it's mm-hmm. fun to see people pan a movie. But one thing that I did see on Twitter that made me feel better about that specific line, Sarah, was Devani Loser, one of our favorite Austin scholars. She actually came on and she was like, I dug into the etymology of exes and don't worry, that's not actually as modern as you think. It might have been used back then, like ex-husband, etc. So I was like, okay. But then when they're all sitting at the dining table and they're like, well, he's a 10 in bath, but he's a five here. It's like, no, I can't. That that was That's ridiculous. very kind and generous of Devaney, but I do not think that the script writers <laughs> of the Netflix version of Persuasion no. <laughs> double checked the etymology <laughs> to see if And here's were the used. thing. I think like I think I have no problem with more modern language in a period piece. After the trailer, I was like, yeah, I don't know if this is going to be great, but I'm going to watch it anyway. After watching it, I don't think I ever want to watch it again. (laughs) No. It wasn't even like a, it was so bad it was good kind of thing. I just thought persuasion aside, it just wasn't that good of a movie. I thought mostly it was boring. I thought it would be fun to not hate watch but watch and like kind of poke fun and enjoy the silliness of it but I wish that they had picked a lane and either like really leaned into like we're modernizing this even though we're wearing regency clothes or not every once in a while she'd say something like a playlist or yeah your comment about if you're five in London you're ten in Bath or whatever it was um <laughs> Which might be a funny line, but just, like, go for it then. Right. Then modernize the whole rest of it. Like, get it all in the same vein. I think my biggest problem with the whole thing, what is the point of view of this adaptation? What is it trying to say? What is it trying to do with this text? To me, it just felt like they took Fleabag and Bridgerton and smashed them together and put it under the umbrella of a Jane Austen adaptation. And I think I would have liked this better, although I, I do think that the whole thing was just boring, but it didn't need to be persuasion. It was barely persuasion in my mind because they changed so much of the characterization. They took out some some plot points, et cetera. Mostly they changed the characters. It could have been just a lightly historical rom-com without it being persuasion and so I because we're talking about adaptations this month it just is so interesting to me I mean it seems much more about the marketing and the draw than it is about really wanting to adapt a specific novel for the screen yeah I think Bridgerton is a better Austin adaptation than this Austin adaptation was I agree (laughs) I agree with you the decisions felt so half-hearted so I think the breaking the fourth wall is could have been a really interesting choice especially because with Austin novels we get a lot of internal thinking reflecting um, internal dialogue that doesn't necessarily get outwardly expressed and so a lot of Austin adaptations can feel very like repressed and that's where a lot of the tension comes from 
But when you read her novels, that repression doesn't necessarily feel right all the time. Like, Mm -hmm. the people feel so real. And I think that breaking the fourth wall could have been a really interesting way to convey that free and direct discourse, could have been a really fun way to get into Anne Elliot's head. It's just that her character didn't seem consistent. I'm okay with a bolder Anne Elliot. I think that you could read her that way. Like, she takes action when she needs to, when people are in distress, when her family needs her. Like, she's, she, she takes control of situations. She's not necessarily just this quiet, shy wallflower. I think that she could be this more emboldened, you know, slightly more modern character. I don't have a problem with that. It was just the inconsistency of the character of she's sobbing into her pillow and she's so unhappy. And like, I don't know, there was just this like really, she was really unlikable. And I hate to say that about female characters, but she was just not, I didn't want to root for her. Yeah. And I think that you're so right that it was inconsistent. And I I think that probably that's maybe in part because I think Anne is one of Jane Austen's more complex heroines. I, I think all of Jane Austen's heroines are are complex and nuanced, etc. But they're a little bit more easy to define in just a couple of terms. Elizabeth Bennet is sassy and arch and playful. Emma is bossy. Fanny is meek. And Anne, she's she's quieter she's more reserved but she has this inner strength about her she she can also be playful she's very giving while at the same time seeming to know herself of course like i think well we're we're not going to get back into all of the themes of persuasion but instead of creating a very complex character this film created a convoluted character also she never seemed heartbroken and devastated even when she was sobbing into her pillow it seemed (laughs) over dramatic exactly exactly and then she would be at the dining room table just sassily saying well charles wanted to marry me first like a petulant child which Anne elliot never would do um and so yeah they they turned nuance into something that just didn't make any sense i really wish that someone would have picked up persuasion for a six-part miniseries because Mm -hmm. that's really how all austin novels should be treated at least once. And I, okay, here's something that the movie did really well and that I wished that there was more of. I thought that the family was fantastically cast and hilarious. So those opening scenes where she's introducing her family and we get Sir Walter Elliot in front of the mirror checking himself out against the portrait in the book and he's being ridiculous. I thought that was fabulous the scene where you were like oh my goodness this is Shit's creek where they're the debtor debt collectors come in and are taking all of their things and he's like what's going on mm-hmm. i actually kind of liked that and i liked the echoes of Shit's creek because i was thinking about the parallels i was like oh my goodness this is actually a really fun comparison there and then i love oh my gosh mary was hilarious mary was and i best. loved her while reading the novel but like that little actress was just great so funny she's she 
rescued the the movie for me. I still didn't love it, but she was what I was watching for. Mia McKenna Bruce is her name. And yes, she, she was, was so good. Amazing. And so I just kept thinking if they could have taken this and turned it into more of like a quirky family drama and had them in more of the movie, maybe it would have, I don't, I don't know. Um, but that's where like a, a mini series could flesh some things out quite a bit more. Absolutely. There, ha- there's a way to make persuasion into a film. And I think the way is to make it deeply romantic, not mm-hmm. funny. If you're going to take any Austin novel and emphasize the humor, this is not the one to emphasize the humor. No, which is not to say, of course, as we talked about in our episode, the humor isn't there on the page. But but yes, like you're saying, if it's going to be just an hour and a half to two hours, leave aside the humor, except maybe for Mary and Sir Elliot, and really hone in on the romance. And when you look at the poster for this persuasion it seems like that's what they're doing and then there was zero chemistry between Anne and Wentworth and I mean if you need one thing for persuasion Mm -hmm. it's their chemistry because as we discussed at length with our wonderful book club the other night they barely talk to each other in the book it's all these looks and these subtle moments and this you know remembrance of of a love in in the past and none of that was there in their performances there's great opportunity for flashbacks none of that gets utilized for for the film or if they were they were so boring i didn't pay attention to them (laughs) um (laughs) I think Wentworth is such a swoon-worthy character, and this guy, he's handsome, don't get me wrong, but he was not charming and amiable. I think that you might have said he's trying to be Darcy, and that just doesn't work here. Um, Pride and Prejudice, you can make into a rom-com. Emma, you can make into a rom-com. Persuasion is not a Mm rom-com. And you can have a deeply romantic movie and you can have a little touch of humor I just I almost just feel like and I feel like this with a lot of movies that we aren't mixing genres enough or we're not Mm. going for like we're like well everything has to be a rom-com or everything has to be nostalgia or everything has to be this this could have been a really lovely nuanced drama romantic drama that we don't get very much of anymore Yes, you know how I have my own issues with the 2005 Pride and Prejudice with the epic proposal in the rain. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the movie where two Austin characters should be trapped in a gazebo in the rain. And right. Almost kissing. Like, mm-hmm. some give me some sexual tension in here because it's, it's in there. It's, it's in absolutely there. in there. And I mean, these were two people who were deeply yeah. in love, have spent years thinking about each other. Yes, if there's any Austin novel where two characters should get close to that degree of intimacy before it's a proper, mm-hmm. <laughs> it would be these two. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the the pining, as we said, was like the biggest element of our reading experience was completely absent from the movie. And so something that the movie did that was just so odd to me 
And it made me wonder, like, are they just trying to dumb it down? Was everything was said. Yes. So often with Austin adaptations, you'll get a look. You'll get the Darcy hand flex. Mm -hmm. You'll get like those small cinematic moments where you can see someone's facial expression change, where you can see the longing stare, or you can like get that kind of those famous period piece moments, right? There was none of that here because everything was just out in the open with frank conversations and like characters were just spilling it all out. And... That didn't bother me in the sense of like, well, that is not Regency proper. I don't actually really need like all of the Regency manners there. It bothered me in the sense that it was bad storytelling. Mm -hmm. Nothing was subtle. No, it was just, which is what made it boring. Mm -hmm. You didn't have to watch for anything. That's You weren't like watching, waiting for someone to make a move. I will say some members of our Patreon community really did enjoy this nobody who was watching along with us it seemed but some people chimed in later to tell us what they appreciated about it and it was the people who really enjoy persuasion more for the family comedy Mm -hmm. and drama and like we said they did do that part much better than than the romance so i think if you are listening to this and you're like oh definitively i'm not going to watch persuasion now if first of all if you haven't read the book Maybe give it a try. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because, like I said, I feel like this movie would have worked better if it wasn't trying to be an adaptation of mm-hmm. Persuasion. Or if you've read Persuasion and you're like, Anne and Captain Wentworth really aren't like a couple that I care deeply about their romance, but I like this family and these funny characters, then give this a try too. Like it, it might be more to your liking if that's what you connected with in Persuasion. Yeah, I do have to wonder. So obviously, you know, I just read Persuasion so recently before we watched this. But prior to that, I hadn't read it for like five years, five or six years or something. And I wondered if I had watched it, not having read it so recently and not having the characters so fresh in my mind and not just having swooned over their romance, if I would have liked it more. And I agree, I did love the family scenes. I think there were a couple of things that they did so well, which made me disappointed in the rest of it because I just thought, well, this part of it you really nailed. Why couldn't you kind of grasp some of the other things (laughs) to make it better too? Yeah. It wanted to be Fleabag. Yes, I read an amazing review of it. I'll try to find it to put in show notes. And the review, (laughs) because so many reviews talked about how disappointing this was for Mm -hmm. persuasion fans but there was one review that was just like this is really disappointing for fleabag fans and it was so so true and so great yeah there were a couple of moments where so the scene where the debt collectors come it was very Shit's creek i didn't mind that being a very obvious sort Mm -hmm. of uh inspiration that was evident but then um the scene where she walks into her to mary and she's like i'll tell you the three things that mary's gonna tell me and she's counting on her fingers and like winking at the camera i was like that feels like it was ripped right from fleabag Mm -hmm. some of the moments felt copied yes and i yes that sloppy to me i agree rather than a um, thoughtful adaptation with a point of view of its own and something to say, this just felt like a grab bag of things that have been successful recently. So Fleabag, Schitt's Creek, Emma, 
um, Bridgerton, I guess Dakota Johnson, and just put them all in a pot. (laughs) And this is what came out. And I'm kind of disappointed for her. I don't think she would have been that, like, I think she would have been a good Anne Elliot with the right script. I actually, like, all of the actors, I think, I didn't have a problem with any of the actors. I just thought it was more the script and the production and direction. Exactly. They all seemed to be doing very well what they had been directed to do, which just didn't work for me. (laughs) I agree with we had a lot of uh, people say, I really wish Henry Golding was Wentworth. Mm-hmm. I agree. Mm-hmm. He's so charming. They had more chemistry. Mm-hmm. And I I do think that that would have been a better choice. I completely agree. Well, Chelsea, I don't even know how to end this. Let's end on a high note. Yeah. What I mean, I had fun. <laughs> <laughs> I had fun because we watched it with our patrons. That's mm-hmm. why I like watch alongs. It was it was really fun for us, I think, to like save it as a special treat and a moment to watch with our patrons. It was really fun to kind of like get the initial reactions out with everyone. And it was fun to talk about now. It's fun to like dissect and analyze something that you don't like. And maybe we'll get a persuasion that we all deserve as true Austin fans someday. I sure hope so. All right. Well, as mentioned at the top of this episode, we would love to have you at our next watch along. We're going to watch some version of Macbeth in October together. So if you join our Patreon community this month, we you will get to join us for a watch along on October 30th. We also, as mentioned, will have a class on dissecting and analyzing complex texts and a book club discussing Macbeth. So we would love to have you for any and all of those events or just to have your support over on Patreon so you can find us at patreon.com slash novel pairings. For announcements and important updates, make sure you're subscribed to novelpairings.substack.com and follow us at novelpairingspod on Instagram. Thank you so much to Miles Eichner and Mark Anderson for our theme music. 